Kumite Radio is brought to you by Supplement Warfare. Visit their website, supplementwarfare.com.au for the best quality supplements on the planet. Use coupon code Kumite Radio at checkout to get 10% off of all orders. If you're trying to get sexy for the summer, if you're just trying to flex on fools, visit supplementwarfare.com.au for the best supplements in the world. Use coupon code Kumite Radio at checkout to get 10% off and support the podcast. Joining me right now is Kai Wu. He will be fighting at RFC Way of the Dragon 2 on July 7th versus Yusei Hashiro in a bantamweight contest. What's going on, Kai? How's it going? Nice to meet you, John. Good, good, man. Um, now, you were saying before the interview that you've been out there for a couple weeks. What are you doing? Uh, I've been out here since June 15th. I was out here for um, just to get acclimated. Um, I want to ch- figure out the diet as early as possible. And then I was out here doing some pre-fight media because I was able to do it for them before. Um, I can speak English and Mandarin very well. Um, actually, I'd say Mandarin is all right, not very well. But uh, And then I don't have any tattoos, so it was actually easier for them to promote, you know, because it's just a cleaner look. And I think that's what the Asian community in, in here, Taiwan, wants to see, it when, especially when you're starting out. And their upcoming event, they have a lot of politicians uh, coming. So I think if you were to have such figures in a sport, you definitely want to promote the cleaner guy, you know. And I'm not much one for uh, trash talking. I'm not a Conor McGregor type of guy, you know. So I think it was just easier overall choice for them to use. So maybe if with more success, you end up getting a neck tattoo eventually? <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be able to get one because uh, my mom's really strict on that. All right. Well, uh, that's understandable. A lot of people that don't know in Asia, you know, you do see the movies with like the Yakuza's and things, you know, like those gangsters and stuff like that. But in most countries, they don't allow that. Even in like gyms, if you have tattoos, they won't even let you work out like saunas and all that stuff. So yeah, I guess for you not having tattoos, so you're in a very good situation. You're able to go out there, talk to the media, promote the, the show and promote yourself, promote the fight. So let's go back to your first fight, your pro debut in Taiwan for the same promotion in February. You got a quick, quick KO in the first round. Going into that fight, how were the nerves and did you expect such a quick finish? Um, so going into the fight, I didn't expect a quick finish until the fight happened. It was like about 15 seconds in, he, he tried a sucker punch. And missed, and then that's kind of when I knew I was like, okay, he's he's pressuring forward too much, and because of that, it goes against. We thought we were gonna have to chase him, or he was gonna try to wrestle. That was not the case. He tried to stand and strike with us, but he was reaching. Oh, he was he was overreaching too much, and um, he had to he had to just kind of like figure me out while doing that. That's not a very good game plan because I'm a, I'm a very uh, weird fighter. My style. So my rhythm threw him off, but because of that, he didn't he didn't know it until it's a little too little too late, you know. So that that's how we were able to capitalize on the probably 15 seconds in. I knew I was like, oh, it's going to be uh, quicker than expected. But I'm going to be honest, I definitely did not expect it to be a, a minute, you know. I expected it at least to be like you know maybe a round or three minutes in, four minutes in. But it was just I was shocked at how quickly that one was. And I was, even even I was shocked. 
when he walked into certain strikes, I was like, wow, that was uh, easier than I thought. And no easy opponent. He's not an easy opponent by any means. Just that day, it was just everything was on my side, you know. Um, the nerves going in that fight was was it wasn't it wasn't like uh, nerves. It was like excitement because my mom used to sneak out and go to concerts at the stadium that we fought at. You know, that was like a very uh, prestigious stadium. Rihanna performed there before Ariana Grande. You know, so a lot of celebrities and uh, musicians performed there. So for me to think that I was the first fight on the first legitimate MMA card in Taiwan, you know, it's like the, the, just to have such an honor to do that was, I just couldn't fathom it at all at once, you know? So then when I did my walkout, I really enjoyed it. I really took the time to appreciate it and soak it all in. And there wasn't much nerves. It was just, it was just uh, excitement. I was just like, yeah, let's do this. That day I had my whole team with me. And then before that, you could see the amateur guys. I got the vibe, even though I was only, I'm only 22. I got the vibes that they're kind of looking up to me in a sense, or like looking at me, like maybe we could be like that. You know, so it felt great because before the fight, I had a lot of them, you know, just staring. And then afterwards, when I came back, a lot of them kind of came up to me like, "Hey, that was awesome, man! Like, I, I want to do that next time." And just to be able to kind of share that, you know, like by any means, you know, like I'm not above any of them, but it's just I was in their position before, and just to be able to share some of the the skill level and fighting and experience I've had in the States with them just to kind of be like, look, this is a career path potentially, or this is like a sport that's growing in Taiwan. It was fascinating talking to these people. And um, at first I think they thought I was some like superstar from America. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm just a, I'm just a little Taiwanese kid, just like you guys, you know, like Ed, that was born in America. So I was able to go up to him and talk to him. And it was, it was pretty cool. How did you hook up with RFC? Um, so I hooked up with RFC because when I was 18, uh, or 16, I went to, uh, this gym called I fighting in Taiwan. The owner, his name is Kemp. He's a referee for one FC and, uh, he teaches MMA out here. He's also the commentator for the UFC in Taiwan. Um, so whenever like the UFC plays, he's the commentator that translates everything into Mandarin. I met him and I came into this gym one day and I was like, Hey, can I roll with you guys? And he goes, yeah, sure. And he was like, I held my own against adults. I'm a 16 year old, you know, like maybe five to barely a hundred pounds. And he was like, how are you able to withhold yourself or, you know, like do really well against the guys here? And I'm like, Oh, I trained at guerrilla jujitsu in, in, uh, you know, in California and Dave Camarillo is my brother-in-law, you know, and he was like, Oh wait, what? And then I was able to uh, get a little bit of uh, more training with him. And he was super nice. He didn't charge me. Welcome me back multiple times. A super nice guy. And I kind of just developed a bond every single time I came back. I'd go to his gym. I'd go to his gym. I'd roll with him. I'd train with him. So he's actually seen me before I've even, he's known me before I even fought my first MMA fight, amateur, you know, anything. And then he's been there kind of like all the way till now. Um, so he was like, you know what? It would be kind of cool to get you into 1FC. But then the only thing was, I don't think I wanted to be signed to an organization just yet because, you know, I'm, I was I was an amateur or turning into pro, you know. I think 1FC, regardless of the skill level, it's I don't want to be locked into a contract. I want to be able to fight for King of the Cage in California or some local shows. So because of that, I didn't sign with 1FC because he might have been able to push some connections or whatnot. Who knows? But um, he ended up mentioning to me, he was like, hey, would you like to fight for an organization in Taiwan? And I'm like, what, what organization is there in Taiwan? He was like, there's a new one starting out. It's called RFC. It's going to be pretty good. 
I'd like to get you on here because you have a unique story, a marketable, um, and you know, you it's it's that's what we need. We need some local guys, but we don't have any, so we could use you. And I was like, I'll do it. And I thought it was gonna be some small in the club show. Boy, was I wrong. It was in one of the huge shows. It was like a huge entrance, and I was just fascinated. I was like, man, this is. I'm spoiled because I'm not going to want to go back to fighting for a small show. You know, they had a, they, they really ran, they ran it really well in the warm up rooms. We had um like our own photo for our side. Like you see a photo of you with like on a poster on your side, it says your name. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. And I was the opening, I was the opening card. I opened the whole shows and then everybody that was there, you know, in Asia, they, everybody gets there early because they want to get their money's worth, you know, so they stayed and watched. And then after the fight, the connections I was able to make, the, the media, the opportunities that I was able to get, it all stemmed from that one fight. And that one fight wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Kemp being the matchmaker and being able to pull me out. So it was a great opportunity. And I was, I was humbled by that experience. Yeah, that's a great story, man. Uh, yeah, getting those opportunities is rare for such a, such a young fighter. All right, let's move on. Three months later after that, you competed at Bellator 199 in your hometown. I'm pretty sure you couldn't pass up the opportunity for that, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to fight in your hometown, especially for such a big promotion as Bellator. How yeah. was the experience of fighting on such a massive card with such big names? Um, it was really, it was really, I'll be honest, RFC probably was a little bit, um, RFC was a little bit, I'd say, Man, our, the production of RFC, if I may just say, was mind-blowing. Bellator wasn't that bad to me. Like, I walked in, I thought I was going to get nerves. I thought I was going to get this or that. But as a matter of fact, when I walked in, I was like, RFC killed it. You know, Bellator was great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was bad. I was just saying that I felt like I've been there before. Already. You know, it already kind of gave me a simulation of what Bellator was like. So, um, Bellator was, was smooth. The weigh-ins was smooth. Um, how they treat Bellator is good. Con contrary to some belief, you know, Bellator treats their fighters really well. I was like, who the heck knows who I am? I'm a one and oh guy making my way into Bellator. And they treated you just like how they would treat um, somebody they're very familiar with. You know, King Mo was there. And then um, everybody, you know, like Paul Daly was there and everybody was lined up, but they still talk to you like, just like you're one of their guys, you know? So that was really cool to see. And then um, the, the the arena was a little bit more jam packed than the Taiwan one, just because of the fact that it was the way it was set up. And then um, Bellator's huge, you know, in San Jose, there's a huge fight community. So fighting on there was really nice. And I was the car, I was the fight. So there's four, there's five prelim fights. I was the sixth one, but because they're transitioning into the main card, there's about it was about 520 six o'clock so they needed to play the main card they were like hmm, we could squeeze in one more so they, they squeezed me in so i didn't i wasn't able to get a proper walkout it was more of a rushed and uh, so was my opponent but i was able to still fight you know like i was able to still go but the fight lasted longer than expected so then what ended up happening was they played an ad over the fight that was going on it was uh for the it's because it just due to the, like paramount owns you know spike tv and all this other stuff like they have all these like logistics that they have to play so i wasn't able to unfortunately i wasn't able to see my fight recorded on on their website but at the same time it was um it was just a unique experience you know in your fight you were submitted in the second round now looking back 
What were some positives you took away from that loss? I think that fight was all positives. He was a 6'2", southpaw, 135-pounder. So it was weird. You know, fighting somebody like that was weird. And he wasn't fighting. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean he was playing a very smart game plan. He was backing up the whole time. And the reason why was because he was waiting. He would load up like a spring. He'd do a Tyron Woodley uh, game plan. You know, just back up, back up, back up. And the right when I have cornered, bam, he had explode out. And uh, the fight was going uh, well. I was actually, I believe, arguably, he could have taken round one just because he had a takedown at the end. But his takedown stats were like one for five or one for six. So it's not a lot, you know. And um, he didn't land many strikes. I landed a lot of leg kicks. After the fight, he was in a, a wheelchair. So that, that was kind of, that kind of sucked me. I was like, man, if I went, went a little bit more, you know, could have got it. But um, in round one, um, what ended up happening was I got an eye poke. And unfortunately, um, it wasn't. It wasn't anything drastic, but it did cut my eye, like the white part of my eye. And I remember after the fight, I wanted to fight again. So I looked, I told the doctor, you know, when they have us do the checkup, I was like trying to keep my eye hidden as much as possible because I know Taiwan's around the corner. But um, the fight, how he finished it was he, he exploded off the cage through an overhand, but because I, he was a southpaw, and I'm orthodox. When he throws that overhand, it comes from the rear. Mm-hmm. So then, unfortunately, I, I was backing up slower than he was coming forward. I slipped, shot a single right after, and he was able to get the guillotine. And because of how long his arms are, I didn't anticipate anything like that. And I'm glad that that happened because I thought I was able to defend guillotines really well. I thought I had it all down. But it's in these instances where I learn, you always find a piece of yourself in every fight. And what I found in this fight was I need to be able to accept the losses before I accept the wins. Because going into this fight, I thought I was, you know, going to win. And it wasn't like arrogance. It was just more like I was confident, you know. Um, when they raised his hand, I almost raised mine because I was like, this isn't what I envisioned. This is insane. So then right after, I got interviewed by a local um, news TV because they were, they were following me because I'm a local fighter, this and that. And they asked me right away, they're like, how do you feel about this loss? And I was like, man, this thing's being asked about a loss. But at the same time, I was like, I wasn't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being for uh, unprepared for things. So I realized, you know what it is? It's I was too, I was not aware of, I was not ready to adapt. I was not aware of all possibilities. And for this fight coming up, I need to accept all possibilities. Anything can happen. You know, so that's my mindset after this fight. And I'm glad it happened now because I'd rather it happen now than when I'm no diss, but you know, like Thomas Almeida, he was doing, he's 20 kill win streak. And then now look at him, you know, in the bigger cards, he's going, I'd rather take my, my, my licks now than when I get into the main events in the future, hopefully RFC or, you know, one FC or, you know, wherever Bellator again, I'd rather not make the mistake later on in my prime career versus early on, you know? Now your upcoming fight, RFC two, Way of the Dragon. It, the title, the, the promotion's name. I want to talk about that because it just sounds like a movie from Bruce Lee's era, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. They did a fantastic job uh, with a promotion on it. Definitely. Now your opponent, you say Tashiro. What do you know about him? Funny thing is, I didn't see his footage until like last week. 
you know, like last week when I got to, to, to Taiwan, it was on UFC Fight Pass, and I don't even have UFC Fight Pass. So I had to borrow it from my friend. Um, I watched his fight. There was only one fight. He got armbarred. He got taken down. It didn't seem like he knows what to do on the ground too much, but because as soon as he got taken down, he got mounted. As soon as he got mounted, he bridged the guy off of him, and then he got armbarred. So I'm not saying he's bad on the ground, just maybe the, his opponent was a black belt. I don't know. But from what I see, his weakness is, is the ground. Um, the only shot he landed was his backhand. He's a karate guy, southpaw. He threw it really well and landed at once solid. But to me, it seemed like he wasn't trying to land it intentionally. It seemed like he was just throwing it out there. So even when he landed it, it wasn't that hard. you know. So I'm not going to overlook his power because it's like throwing a punch you didn't expect to land, but it lands. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's not, he doesn't have any power, you know? So I'm, I'm very calculative. Me and my coach are looking into it. Um, I think the biggest thing that I see from him, it's that from my advantage and I need to start doing is I need to learn to bully him. He's five, six shorter than me. And he's, his last weigh in was 125, I think his weight. So he's a smaller guy. I, I've never fought a guy that's smaller than me. This is like the first time. So I'm kind of excited. Um, and I've been working a lot for Southpaws because my last opponent was a Southpaw. The opponent before that was a Southpaw. And then last year in December, I was preparing for another Southpaw. So I've been, I've been three, four fight camps nonstop. So I'm really excited for this one because I, I don't feel like I showcased my full skill set at RFC, the first one, because it was under a minute. And then I didn't feel like it showcased my full skill set at Bellator because of the style, style make fights, you know, and my opponent stylistically was an awkward fight. So I don't feel like I was able to showcase that one. This guy, I feel like it's a perfect matchup because he's a striker. I'm actually a grappler that turned into a striker, but everybody's been giving me a hard time. They're like, why haven't you been, you know, taking people down and submitting them like you, like you're a grappler. You've been grappling since you're a nine under Dave Camarillo. I'm like, all right, I've been getting a lot of hard time about it. Maybe I will, you know, maybe I will go for the take time. But you know what? It's 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 an early organization in Taiwan. They like seeing knockouts. You know, they 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 pay to come see knockouts. They don't really know what grappling is. They just see somebody get choked. They're like, oh yeah, they start clapping. So I think I want to give them another knockout again. And uh, I'm gonna get. I want to get RFC to the point where they start handing out bonuses because I want a bonus. You know, <laughs> so I might try to like pressure them into you know, get me a bonus once I get like a crazy flying knee knockout or something. So this is a very good stylistic matchup. It's very fun. Um, I don't overlook him, even though his record says 0-3 on Tapology. He's 0-1 under RFC promotion for some reason. That's what, his, that's what his team wants him to say, I guess, or like on, on his record. So I'm not overlooking him. And he has four wins as an amateur. However... I don't know. I'm sure you might be aware of this, but um, fights in Japan, regardless if it's amateur or pro, they're almost like the same. It's it's the it's not like in the states where you're an amateur for a couple of years and you turn pro. It's based off the um, event. So if the event is an amateur event, you sign up for the amateur rules. If it's a pro event, you sign up for the pro rules. So he's had a lot more fights than he's led on to believe. I'm I'm not gonna underlook him, you know. So he's definitely a game guy. This time, almost all the hometown guys have tough fights rocky and jeff these guys all have tough fights. nobody's nobody has an easy fight this time you know so i'm very excited because easy fights tend to get a little bit boring you know like when it's a one-sided matchup you expect it to go the way it goes i kind of like plot twists you know and uh, i'm still young enough 
to where people don't know my full potential yet. So they thought maybe I got lucky in my first RFC fight or Bellator, I choked, you know, I didn't perform. Is he going to be the same? You know, so I, I do want to answer some questions because there is there is a lot circling around, you know, me because I don't have a lot of amateur fights. I'm only three and one as an amateur, five and zero oh as an amateur in Muay Thai, and then one and one as a pro. So what else is there to really see out of my style that I haven't really showcased? And I think I'm going to answer a lot of those questions this fight. You got you got to expect the unexpected when you're fighting in Asia, and I think a lot of people realize that now. Absolutely, big time. It's I've learned that because uh, there's a couple guys I fought on the cards before, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm two and three. And then you look at their record on some other websites or their past; they're like twenty three and five. I'm like, "What are you guys doing?" You know. So you definitely can't trust the the data, and I never trust numbers. I feel like they're they're too risky. You know, like uh, there's guys like in the past that have lost tremendous amount of fight. Look at Matt Brown; he was on a he was like a journeyman fighter and all of a sudden he was a title contention. You know? So I don't trust these guys. And you're only as good as your last fight, but then you have breakout fights just out of nowhere. One guy can just look like a killer out of nowhere because he made these incremental adjustments that made him that much better. So I don't trust anything. Maybe he increases jiu-jitsu. Maybe it's his last fight he was probably lacking because he had an injury. He couldn't train grappling. So you have to, you, you have to understand you have to factor all of these in. So, I try to simulate all these things. And one thing I didn't do in my last fight was simulate a loss, like the tough fight. I simulated how, how much I was going to dominate him. And that was just unrealistic because in a fight, it could go both ways. And I didn't see that. I just thought about dominating him the whole time, catching him with shots here and there. But that's not how it is. And I realized that now. So for this fight, I'm adapted and upgraded. All right, man. July 7th, RFC, Way of the Dragon 2. Versus Yusei Tashiro, Hi Wu. Thank you for your time, man, and uh, we'll definitely talk in the future. I really appreciate your time, John, and I appreciate what you do for the MMA community. Thank you.